Maybe I'm talking to the wrong group. When you got Jesus. Maybe I need to talk to this side. When you got Jesus. That's all you need. When he's all you want, he becomes all you need too. We live in a world that I don't know what happened. But I'm thankful that I have Jesus. When the world doesn't make any sense, I got Jesus. When governments don't know what to do, I got Jesus. He's all we want. He's all we want. Well, let's sing one more time. Look your hands. Praise God for some things. How many know we have an awesome Jesus? I am incredibly blessed by our worship team. Aren't you? Come on. Yesterday, 16 people went to Tijuana on an outreach, and I believe 134 people got saved. What is amazing to me, and they prayed for people that were terminally ill, people that, some people that had AIDS, different things going on, and God did a miracle in so many lives. But, but I got to just say this, and there was a young lady that went yesterday, and she recently just gave her life to Jesus. God did a miracle in her life. And now she's out there doing outreach and serving Jesus. That blessed my soul to hear that. That blessed my soul. God did a miracle in her life and now she wants to give back. Come on, somebody. Jesus was the greatest giver. And if you're a Christian, you need to be a giver. We need to give back. I'm grateful for what Jesus has done for me. If you're grateful, give him one more hand clap of praise. Now, 
there are so many ways to get involved with stuff that happens here at the church. And uh, you just got to keep looking at the website. That's one of the best ways to do it. And I want to tell you, we have outreach happening all the time. And, you know, it's amazing what's happening in Tijuana and Skid Row and also here in Whittier. But we are preparing for our El Salvador crusade. And we are believing for thousands and thousands to be saved. You know, we do these outreaches to reach souls, but it also disciples us. Yeah. It's part of our discipleship process. You know, you got to be a disciple, and part of being a disciple is being the hands and feet of Jesus. So it also blesses you. What? You tell me that I can go to Skid Row and hand out sandwiches and pray for people, and it blesses me? Absolutely. We are, we are blessed to be a blessing. And we are blessed. And I just want to say, Pastor Alba, Pastor Rob, come up here real quick. They, they, I did not tell them I was doing this, so they might not be ready. But knowing these two, they're ready in and out of season. Come on, somebody. We put a high value here at this church on discipleship. And a blessing that has happened Pastor Rob has a discipleship group for men that is absolutely amazing, and you need to be a part of it. And Pastor Alba started a discipleship group for women that's absolutely amazing. Now, I want you to know how good Pastor Alba's discipleship group is. Pastor Rob who obviously is not a woman. Come on, somebody. Can I get a loud amen? I know the difference between a man and a woman. Go ahead, Pastor Brian. Facts. Come on, somebody. We, 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 we know the difference between a man and a woman at this church. Can I get a loud amen? I could preach a whole message on that. I'm just going to leave it alone. But... Pastor Rob said to me, he said, Pastor Alba is teaching some amazing stuff in her discipleship group, and it's absolutely amazing. And I got to tell you, you got to get a part of it. If you're a woman, it's a woman's discipleship group. It is absolutely amazing. They're going through the book of Esther right now, and it is amazing what God's doing. So why do I say this? Because discipleship holds a, an important part and a high value here at our church. And one of the things we want to do is we want to start a Spanish discipleship group that's going to meet on Monday. Pastor Armando, come here. Pastor Armando is going to lead it. So starting on Monday, it's going to be a class and it's going to be for Spanish speaking only. And so we want to be able to disciple everyone that's part of our church. And so we're trying to, because what happened is Alba's, Pastor Alba's group has grown so much. Some Spanish-speaking ladies came in, and they couldn't understand the group. So we want to be able to disciple everybody. Amen. Here's a great problem. We tried to put Pastor Armando's group on Tuesday with all the other discipleship groups, 
but we have a problem. There's no room or space available. So we had to move it to Monday. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say it again. There's no room at the end. Can I get a... But we're very excited. And if you know someone, please invite them to this group. Can we give these wonderful pastors a big hand clap? All right. Come on. All right. Let's give Jesus a big hand clap. I got to tell you this. I am super excited what God's doing. One more hand time. Lift your hands. Wait a minute. Let's try it again. We'll clap first, then we'll lift our hands. Lift your hands. I want to declare something over your life. God gave me a prophetic message over the last couple of days for this church. I want to declare things are about to change. Things are about to change. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, things are about to change. Tell the church, things are about to change. I declare over you and your family, things are about to change. God will do it. God will do it. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus one more hand clap. All right, worship team, thank you so much. Come on. You could be seated. Tell your neighbor, say, things are about to change. Tell your other neighbor, things are about to change. I got to tell you, God has been doing so many amazing things. It's hard to capture everything in a service. But God has been so faithful at our church. So faithful. And God has brought so many talented, wonderful people to be part of what God is doing here. And it's amazing. And we are just three weeks away from Resurrection Sunday. I am believing for a harvest of souls. Last year, we had our Good Friday communion service, but it was a healing service. And we're going to pray for healing on Good Friday. And we believe when we take, take the communion, we believe people are going to be healed in the name of Jesus. Can I get a loud amen? All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read some scripture, and then I'm going to preach a very prophetic message that the Lord gave me for you and your family. And also, tonight is going to be very special. I feel like the Holy Spirit has instructed me tonight to pray and bless everyone that comes out. But also, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to give me some words for people. The Holy Spirit began to speak to me that some people need some direction and guidance. And that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you tonight. And I want you to come out. If you have your Bibles, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. 
and one-fourth of a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help me, Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she, and she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So, when, so we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son that we may eat him. But she, she has hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes as he passed by on the wall. The people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God, do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elijah, the son of Japhat, remains on him today. But Elijah was sitting in, the house, in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. It's a continuation of the story. Then Elijah said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven... Could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Right now, I want to pray. Lord, as you have given me this prophetic message to this church, I pray, Lord, that you just allow me to decrease and you to increase. Lord, I pray, Lord, that I become a mouthpiece for you at this moment. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that that people understand things are about to change. In Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. amen. One more time, amen. amen. This is one of the darkest chapters in Israel's history. This is a horrible time. They are in, at war with some, uh, the Syrians, and the, the Syrians have besieged the city. A lot of people that don't understand army lingo, I'll say, might not understand what besieged means. That means over a long period of time, they cut off supply lines. And it's a war of attrition, where they just don't go in fast and take over, but it is a war where they'll cut off food, cut off supplies, and over time, the people will eventually have a famine. They won't have food, they won't have supplies, and they will begin to die a horrible death. And I, I got to just say this. I don't know if anybody realizes this, but the devil is wicked. He is evil, and he is tricky. 
and he is a liar. Let me say it again. He is a liar. Let me just say it again. A liar. And one of his tactics is not just to come in fast and destroy you. One of the ways he does it is over time. It's not just one massive quick blow. It's over time. It's he begins to cut you off of the things of God. He begins to get you bitter where you begin to not go after Jesus as much. Where you stop attending church. Where before you know it, you are starving from the things of God. Let me say it again. There's a lot of Christians that get bitter, that get angry, that get frustrated. And the enemy begins to use those things. And before you know it, you're not serving Jesus the way you used to. You stopped reading your Bible. You stopped feeding your spirits. You stopped praying. You stopped believing. And all of a sudden, the enemy is winning the war of attrition. It happens slowly over time. But I declare right now, by the power of Jesus Christ, we break every chain of the enemy right now in Jesus. And he has no hold, no grasp, and his schemes are over in the name of Jesus. Sometimes even God will use trouble to get your attention. Sometimes the situations we're in, God wants to get your attention because the path you're going is not the path you need to go. Now I want you to understand this 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says this, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. I'm here to tell you the enemy's schemes are to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm here to tell you that he does not like you. He's not your boy. I've always wondered this when I've talked to unbelievers from time to time. They'll say things, you know, I'm just running with the devil. I'm here to tell you, the devil ain't your boy. He ain't your friend. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. But how many know Jesus comes to give life and life abundantly? And see what happened, because of the enemy's attack, there was a great famine. And they began to eat things unclean. They ate donkey's heads. They ate dove droppings. If I got to explain what that is, then, you know, lean over your neighbor and say, you don't want to eat dove droppings. But you know, so many Christians are eating dove droppings. The dove represents the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit hasn't been leading your life in a long time. And you're eating the stuff of yesterday besides being led by God today. I'm here to tell you, we want the dove. We want the Holy Ghost moving in our lives. I ain't eating yesterday. See, I ain't living off of yesterday. I want a fresh move of God today. I'm not living off of what happened yesterday. I'm not living off of what happened to my mama, my grandmama. I'm living off of what Jesus is doing, the Holy Spirit's doing in my life right now. It got so bad that one woman, 
they boiled her her child. That's bad. So bad. I want you to understand this. This is such a horrible spirit. It is such a wickedness. The enemy attacks, the aftermath of the attack is that a bunch of things that are unholy and unclean, you begin to partake of them. And before you know it, we lose a generation. We lose a generation of children that were meant to be raised in the house of God. We lose a generation that is meant to taste and see the wonder-working power of Jesus. But because the enemy attacked you, and then you didn't hold on to Jesus, and all of a sudden, you let unclean things come into your life, and before you know it, there's no trust in God, your children are destroyed. Because I'm here to tell you, we make an emphasis at this church about our youth. We want to see our youth so on fire for God. We want them to hear the truth of God's word. We want them to have opportunities to experience and know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because the world they're living in is a strange world. The world we're living in is a strange world. But they have to be taught in these schools things that I was never taught. And we got to pray for them. We got to pray for them. Because I'm telling you this, we are not losing a generation to the devil. We're going to stand up as a church. We're going to stand up as a church and fight the good fight of faith for this youth generation, for our young adults. That's why our young adults are so important. That's why our youth are so important. That's why I love to see youth. I love to see them singing. I love to see them dancing. I love to see them jumping. I love it. I love when they do the raffles. Come on, somebody. We're not going to lose a generation. We got to fight for this generation. Now, I want you to understand this. This is important. First Peter 2 9 says, But you are a chosen generation. And I declare that over our youth right now. Stretch your hands just over there to our youth. I know that's not all of them, but we're going to do it. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We declare that over our youth in Jesus' name. Can I get a loud amen? Now this is where the story starts to get exciting. When the king hears this, instead of running to God, see Israel always had this problem. They would serve God, and then they would turn to other gods. They would serve God, and then they would worship other gods. When the king hears this, instead of running to God, he gets angry at God. And he wants the head of Elijah to be cut off. Now, Elijah represents quite a bit. But what I realize is this. The enemy hates when your voice begins to get risen up. Let me say it like this. 
The enemy hates when you begin to speak boldly about the things of God. The enemy hates when you stand up for righteousness. The enemy hates when you start speaking out and say, Jesus is the only way to heaven. The enemy hates when you start preaching, teaching, standing up and saying, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the king of kings. The enemy always wants to cut the head off that prophetic voice. He always wants to cut the head. See, I'm here to tell you, we need more prophetic voices. We need more people saying, thus say the Lord. Now, now you better know that it's God. That's why it's so important to get discipled, to know his voice, to understand his voice, to hear his voice. But I want you to understand this. We got to. We need a generation to rise up and say, thus save the Lord. Man, we need that. But it's interesting. When things don't go people's way, they get mad at God. They get mad at God. And I'm here to tell you, I want you to understand this here today. Don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at God. Run to God. Seek God. Begin to chase after Jesus. So many people get mad at God, like God's out to get them. God isn't out to get you. God loves you. He sent his only son to die for you. God ain't angry at you. God's seen you at your worst, and he still loves you. God's seen you at your very worst, and he still loves you. God loves you. God's not mad at you. But we get around thinking God's mad at us. God's not mad at you. God wants you to repent. God wants you to turn. God wants you to do the right thing. But God's not mad. He will keep loving you. His mercies endure forever. God will keep loving you. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach and tell you, you got to turn. If you're doing things you're not supposed to do, you need to repent. You need to seek God. But I want you to, I want you to hear what I'm saying. So he wants to cut off his head. And then this is amazing. This is amazing. Elijah says in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. I think we're going to put it back up there. He says, hear the word of the Lord. Now, I just got to preach this for a minute. He is in a place where he's getting ready to be murdered. Not just murdered, his head cut off. See, it's easy to talk about Jesus when everything's good. But right, he's getting ready to be killed. And he still has the boldness to say, hear the word of the Lord. I don't care what happens to me. I need you to hear the word of the Lord. It ain't about my comfort. It ain't about my convenience. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But you need to hear the word of the Lord. It's easy to say things about Jesus when everything's going good. But how about when all hell's breaking loose? Can you say, hear the word of the Lord? When everything is going down the tubes, can you say, hear the word of the Lord? Man, you got to proclaim Jesus in the good times and the bad times. 
you got to be sold out for Jesus. We got so many people that love to serve Jesus when everything's going right. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, man, it's going great. Everything's awesome. I'm eating ice cream, walking through tulips. Jesus has blessed my life. Let me tell you about Jesus. But then when your head's getting ready to get cut off, come on, somebody. I don't know him. Man, you better say, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. And this is some of the stuff God spoke to me for you. This is what I love. He said, tomorrow about this time. Tomorrow about this time. What took years for the enemy to destroy took God 24 hours to fix. The enemy set up a siege. They, they besieged the city. Years it took. Months it took. What's amazing, what the enemy's done to you over years. Let me talk to some people. What the enemy's done to you and your family over the course of a decade. What the enemy's done to you and your household over the last year, over the last two years, over the pandemic. You may think, how can things change? Let me tell you, what the enemy did for a long time. My Jesus, my Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lily of the Valley, the bright and morning star can fix in one day. I got a word for this church. There's someone that's been dealing with something for years. God says to you, and I declare it by the authority of Jesus Christ, this time tomorrow, everything's going to change. About this time, they're eating all sorts of crazy stuff. And he said, about this time tomorrow, there's going to be abundance, abundance of flour and an abundance of barley. That's what he's saying. And then, so that's my word for somebody. Everybody lift your hands. I want to do it one more time. About this time tomorrow, I declare by the power of the Holy Ghost, what the enemy meant for evil for years, it's going to change. In Jesus' name. Now let me give you... Let me give you a warning. Everybody likes that part, but now nobody's going to like the warning. Come on, everybody's clapping. I don't know if you're going to clap now. That's all right. Let me give you a warning. Come on, somebody. Go to verse 2. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? So this guy that's close to the king said, even if there's windows in heaven, how could this thing be? This ain't possible. This ain't possible. I got a warning for someone. Don't pollute the word. 
don't pollute the word unbelief unbelief has no place unbelief has no place I'm here to tell you if God says it God will do it if God says it God will do it now let me tell you what happens to unbelief but I want to just go a little bit more into this story and I'm not going to read it but you can read it later so the Syrian army is camped in the city of Samaria is here and next thing you know you hear about this story there's four lepers these people are dying because they have leprosy and these four lepers have an idea their idea is this if we stay where we're out where we're at outside the gate we're going to die if we go in to the city we're going to die because of the famine so why don't we just surrender to the Syrians? And you know what? Maybe they'll have mercy on us. So I, I need AJ, come here, Pastor Rob. Come here, Josh. Let me get, come here. I don't want to use Bill. I need someone with a little more weight. Art, come here. Can I use you? <laughs> Not that Art's big. I didn't mean like that. <laughs> Art's muscular. Come on, somebody. Art's like me, big boned. Come on, somebody. You know, when they, this is something I've wanted to preach on for years, but I didn't, when they do things like you should weigh X amount of weight, I don't think they take an effect when you have big bones. Come on, somebody. All right, that didn't go over far with anybody, but I, that's my theory. I just got big bones. I can't help it. Come on, somebody. So these are our four lepers. I want you guys to stand over here. Face, face, me, face me in Shalom. So they decide to go to the camp of the Syrians. Now these guys are dying. And so they start walking. Now we'll kind of walk together if you can, if that's all right. All right, stop. So every time they take a step, so why don't you do this? We didn't rehearse this, so please excuse us. This is our first trial run. Let's go back one more time. This is non-rehearsed, amen? So I want you guys, this is a wood floor. I want you to... Hear that? I want you to take steps like that. Come on. So what happens is this. They start walking to the Syrian camp. Their steps, somehow, they begin to get magnified. And the Syrians think there's a bunch of armies See, God allowed them to hear something that wasn't actually happening. These four lepers start marching there. And next thing you know, the Syrians think there's a bunch of armies with chariots and horses. So they just leave everything. They leave the gold, they leave the silver, they leave the horses, they leave the donkeys, they leave the food. Just run. Let me tell you this. I don't care if you're near dead. I don't care what anybody's talked or said about you. If you just keep marching where God tells you to go, as you praise Him along the way, God will magnify your praise. God will magnify. 
magnify your praise. God will magnify your praise. And the enemy won't know what happened. He'll just take right off. I love when I serve Jesus. They didn't run from the problem, they ran right into it. And they ran right into it. And next thing you know, God somehow magnified those footsteps. And the enemy thought, what's out there? Chariots and horses and armies and this army. And they just went running and left everything. I'm here to tell you, your praise is a weapon. I'm here to tell you, your praise is a weapon. I start praising Jesus, demons leave my block. Come on, somebody. And so these four guys get there. And next thing you know, I'm not going to make them do this. They start going in the tents. Come on, somebody. And they start eating all the food. They, they're like, they're, they're having a party. They're hiding stuff. You know, they're taking the gold. They're hiding it for a rainy day. Come on. Then conviction comes upon them. It's like, we got to tell the city, this is, this is big. And so they go to the city gate. I don't need you guys. You did good. I'm like, eh. They go to the city gate. And they say, the Syrians have left. Well, no one can believe it. So the king sends out a little party to see, and it's true. And word spreads. Things have changed. Things have changed. Things have changed. It wasn't like it was. Things have changed. Things have changed. Things have changed. Let me just tell you, things are about to change. I declare it over your life. But let me go back to the warning. The guy that had the unbelief, Elijah said, you'll see it, but you won't taste of it. The king puts him in charge of the gate. And then a horrible thing happens. The people are so excited to get food that they begin to walk over him, trample him, till eventually he dies. I'm here to tell you, you can believe in the word of the Lord and eat of its fruit. You can believe what God says and eat of its fruit. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't believe, if you don't believe, you'll be trampled at the gate. And I'm here to tell you, you won't eat of it. You won't eat of it. Unbelief always will kill your breakthrough. Unbelief will always destroy and kill your breakthrough. It will trample it. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to get someone's belief up. I'm here to get unbelief out of the room and get your belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Because I'm here to tell you, 
things are about to change. But what happens when you pollute the word, you don't eat of it. Now, I don't believe what Pastor Brian, I don't believe what the Bible says. Man, I was a pastor of Alba's group. I just don't, I don't believe that. See, there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. You can have faith and doubt some things. That means you're double-minded. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that's why, how do you get the doubt out? You got to feed your faith. So you got to read your Bible. You got to be listening to things that encourage and edify your spirit. So when you want to get doubt out, you got to constantly be feeding. You have to starve the doubt and feed your faith. Let me say it again. You got to feed your faith. But unbelief's different. Unbelief is you have to, so, someone today needs to get unbelief broken off of them. And you got to believe that you believe that you believe. Put your belief in Jesus. Maybe your mom had unbelief. Maybe your grandfather had unbelief. I break it right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you believe in the miracle working power of God. You know, the great thing about this officer, he said, even if there's windows in heaven, let me just, Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. He was right about one thing, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. He even knew. He said, if there was windows in heaven, sir, there's windows in heaven. And every time I tithe, every time I give, God pours out a blessing that I can't draw. Come on. I'm here to tell you. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the miracle working power of Jesus. You can't change me. You can't, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how many times someone comes against it, I don't care what you think you are. I still believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He died for my sins. I believe He resurrected on the third day. I don't care how much education you got. I don't care how many universities you went to. It does not bother me. I'm here to tell you, I know that I know that I know I have an unshakable belief that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe in the miracle working power of God. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. the word of the Lord, I will hold on to it. Even if it seems impossible. I'm not polluting the word. Don't let unbelief pollute the word. That man never tasted the spoils. Now can you just imagine I didn't have this in my notes, but I want to preach it a little bit. They've been eating dove poop. Come on, somebody. You've been eating dove poop. Think how bad that is. They're actually not just eating it. They're buying it. And you get to the Syrian camp, and there's all this food. 
I mean, they're probably like, what just happened? What just happened? What just happened? In a day, everything changed. And God showed me that this week for this church, for people in this church, about this time tomorrow, it's going to change. If Here's the thing. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. Let me say it a few more times. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. I can just say, here's the word of the Lord. You could be like this guy and say, this is impossible. And I want to tell you, if you say that, you're not going to eat it. You're not going to experience it. But if you say, I believe the word of the Lord, you will eat of its fruit. I declare it in Jesus' name. Everybody stand to your feet across this place. Come on, let's stand. Right now, with every head bowed, every eye, as the worship team comes back. I want to minister to some people here. So don't take off. Right now, if you need Jesus as your Savior, you need to repent. You need to turn. Or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. When I count to three, just lift your hand. It's between you and King Jesus. One, I just declare the Holy Spirit's moving through this place. Two, I break fear off your life. And if you need to give your life to Jesus or rededicate it, lift your hands high now. I see those hands. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and live. I give you everything. I surrender today. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give all those wonderful people a big hand clap. Now, every hand lifted, I want to minister corporately to us for a few minutes here. I want to pray over you. I want to declare some things over you. You. But I'm going to declare a word one more time over you and your house. I want you to believe it. I want you to believe it. Don't pollute the word. Don't pollute the word. If you do, you won't eat of it. Other people will, but you won't. of the Lord, City Reach Church. What has been eating away at you, what has been starving you, 
what has been destroying you, what has been taking from you day after day, week after week. About this time tomorrow, everything will change. You will no longer be in a defeated posture. You will be in a victorious season. You will no longer be starving spiritually, but you will be feasting supernaturally. What God has for you and your family, even if he told you, you would not believe it. Believe in God's word, he says, and I will take you up out of the ashes and I will lift you up, I will raise you up, and I will elevate you to places that you could not be elevated in your own strength. God says, if you put faith in my word, about this time tomorrow, everything will change. And I declare it in the name of Jesus. curse unbelief I curse it I speak the favor of God over your life I love that God can change things in a moment I love that God can change things what the enemy meant for evil for years I love it about Jesus in 24 hours in a moment everything can change and I'm here to tell you today what I want to do. I want to make a declaration. But you're going to be part of it. So if you got unbelief, you're not going to participate. Just telling you. Don't participate. But if you believe in this, this is what I want you to do. So when the lepers came back to the city and they told the gatekeeper and he began to tell the king and they sent out and the next thing you know they came back and said it's true the Syrians are gone there's just food and supplies and more you can imagine and if they were cutting off the supply lines they probably had the supplies that were meant to come in for the Israelites as well all this supplies all this stuff gold, silver Word began to spread, I imagine, throughout the whole city. Now they come here. They probably said, things have changed. It's, it's, it's changed. Things have changed. And then one person said, things have changed. See, it was bad. Probably one of the darkest seasons in that nation when you eat your own child it doesn't get much darker when you are eating things they're starving they're dying and they hear about it and the word probably spread like a fire and that's how the man that had unbelief, they weren't walking to the Syrian camp. They weren't like, 
let's single file this thing. You ever seen Christians at a fellowship dinner? None of you single file nothing. Come on, somebody. I know you. Come on. I watched a lot of you just bust to the front of the lines. Women and children does not matter to some of you men. Come on, somebody. Can I get a loud amen? You know who I'm talking about. Don't make me call you out. They weren't single filing to the Syrian camp. They were running. I mean, running. Things have changed. Everything's changed. Everything's changed. And the guy at the gate, they're, they're running and tra- so many people. And they just keep running over him until he dies. We're going to make a declaration. I'm not going to have you run, so don't worry about that. But we're going to begin to just go through this tabernacle. And I want you to go to your neighbor. I want Natalie to go to Josh and say, things have changed. Go to Josh, things have changed. Just begin to go to everybody and say, things have changed. Now, don't do it till I say it. Don't take off. But we're going to start declaring over each other. Things have changed. Things have changed. Things have changed. I want to be like the Israelites on that day. Maybe you've gone through a dark season. Things are about to change. Things are about to change. So I know we have a lot of people on the upper deck. And so we're going we're gonna to work within our uh, confines. I guess that's the right word. So upper deck, you guys can just go around. Wait till I say it. We're going to come on count to three. But I want you to go to people. And I just want you to encourage them. Say, things have changed. Things have changed. Things have changed. Things have changed. As you tell someone, I want you to begin to tell someone. So let me just say, like, I want to go to Rob. Say, Rob, things have changed. Rob's going to go to AJ. Things have changed. And I want you to just start doing it down your row. Things have changed. And then you start telling people. And then you can even crossroads. I'm cool with that. Come on, somebody. But when I count to three, we're just going to start telling everybody things have changed. And once you hear it, you tell someone else things have changed. Things have changed. Because I'm declaring the change is even starting now. About this time tomorrow. But the change has happened when the word was released. God is moving in the unseen areas right now in the name of Jesus. God is moving behind the scenes. Things have changed. See, the things change not just when, not just when the word, not just when it happens, but when the word is released. I declare Raul. Raul, lift your hands. I declare. About this time tomorrow, everything's going to change. I declare the healing power of God over you from the top of the head to the sole of your feet. You're a man of God. You belong to Jesus. I declare it. All right. One.
I'm going to encourage someone. I'm going to bless someone. I need them to hear this word. Two, when I count to three, you're going to go. Things have changed. Things have changed. Two, I declare the Holy Spirit's in this room. I declare when I say things have changed, things are going to change in my life. When I hear it, I know things have changed in my life. I'm declaring it from every which way. Things have changed. I'm putting my belief in that Jesus can change things. About this time tomorrow. Three, go tell everybody things have changed. Things have changed. to serve there's no greater thing to do in life than to serve in the kingdom of God and watch the greatest miracle take place the souls being saved can I get an amen so right next door in the lower classroom we have what we call growth track and then we we get ready to celebrate resurrection weekend come on and we're gonna have a good Friday service and at that service we'll be partaking in communion but I want you to know that when you take communion, you partake in healing. Healing happens when we take communion because I know what happened on the third day. Anybody know what happened on the third day? The stone was rolled away and Jesus stepped out of that too with all power, the power to heal, the power to save, the power to deliver with all power and authority. Authority over every sickness, authority over every disease. And so on Good Friday, as we partake in communion, we're gonna pray and believe. We're not gonna believe if 
heaven has windows. We're going to know and trust and believe that the windows of heaven will be wide open as we partake in communion, as we lay hands on the sick and watch with our own eyes as they recover like the other night when somebody came in with a cane and still don't have that cane. They're walking and dancing and shouting. It's not just because it's Good Friday because it's Good Friday. This isn't a religious tradition. This is a celebration that God still today can heal. Amen. And then you get to join us back for uh, one united service at 11 a.m. Listen, I've been to that tomb with my own eyes. That stone is not over the tomb. It's wide open. I stepped inside of that tomb and I have seen to this very day that Jesus did not return to that tomb. There's not a body in there. I can hear what the angel said to the woman, the women as they walked up. I know you came here looking for the crucified Christ, but he's not here. He's alive. He's risen. He's risen. Come on, family. Resurrection weekend is right around the corner. Get somebody on the phone. Tell somebody to get in the house. We can celebrate and tell the world that Jesus is alive. And all throughout Resurrection Weekend, we're going to begin to receive our Resurrection Mission Seat Offering. And the reason why we call it a Resurrection Mission Seat Offering is because we recognize and we take a moment to honor God as He gave His very best, His Son Jesus, for all of us so that we didn't have to suffer in hell, but we could receive eternal life. And as a church, we have been determined to take that very gospel message that we have seen thousands of lives change. We have determined that not only will we see LA saved, we shall see the world saved. And last year when we went this resurrection mission seat, we saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands give their life to Jesus. And this year in Santa Ana, El Salvador, your resurrection mission seat, you will see a direct harvest as we watch one more time blind eyes open, deaf ears hear again, the mute singing hallelujah. So I want you to set something aside right now so you come to the house with your seed ready to put that resurrection mission seed in the ground so that we can fill that 25,000 seat arena two times over and watch God do something again your resurrection mission seat can go and see for the first time in City Reach's church history to have a kids crusade across the nation come on don't miss out on this opportunity Set something aside. Direct harvest souls into the kingdom of God. 25,000 souls. Would you believe with me? Set something aside. Well, this morning as we get ready to receive the morning tithes and offering, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I've seen this scripture. I've heard it. But one thing popped out to me as I saw it. That I've never seen it, I've never seen it like this before. It says, He, it's speaking of God, He who supplies seed to the sower. We're the, we're the sower, He's the supplier. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food. He's 
going to give you a seed to put in the ground, but he's also going to provide for your needs when you do it. Come on, somebody. We'll supply and multiply your seed. And here's what popped out to me. He will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. He just doesn't give you a seed to put in your pocket. He gives you a seed to put in the ground. He multiplies what we put in the ground. He gives us seed, and that seed has a purpose. The seed is to be sown. And so week after week, as we watch faithful people sow into the kingdom of God, we're watching God do what we've been praying for. We watch God do and give us victories for what we've been praying for. I cannot tell you how much excitement I have when I walk into the house and know that somebody's going to get delivered today. Somebody's going to get healed today. Somebody's going to get set free today. So I sow week after week because I know that God has given me a seed for one purpose. He's given me the seed to get, to get back in the ground so that when it rains, it'll produce much fruit. Can I get an amen? That's why we do it every week. Whether you do it online or whether you do it right here in person, you're putting that seed in the ground. He'll multiply it for the purpose of sowing. Never forget that. When I was young, I forgot that. I thought he gave me the seed so I can keep the seed because I sowed something before. Now he blesses me so that I can continue to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. Would you help me bless this now as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the supplier of every seed. Let us be faithful sowers of what you give us. Let us be great stewards of what you have given us, God. Let us be always faithful when the seed is multiplied in our hands. When our bank account is multiplied, we return the favor and we put seed back into the ground so that you can do what only you can do. You bring the rain and we watch the fruit. You bring the healing, we watch, we watch it happen, God. And we'll be very careful to only give you the glory, to only give you the praise for you're worthy of it all. So bless the tithe and bless the giver. It's in your mighty and precious name. And somebody help me shout amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you. If you want to continue to worship, the worship team will be here. Don't forget to come back, Pastor. We'll pray for everybody. Lay hands on everybody. Come back at 6 tonight. We love you. If you need prayer, either.